You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Greg, what about an M. Night Shyamalan horror movie about people trapped on an island that is rapidly aging them? Oh, I like that. What's the big twist? The twist is that this script is a first draft. I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies as suggested by you. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are discussing uh, the recent film, uh, 2021's Old, uh, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, uh, based on a graphic novel, apparently, uh, called Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar Levy and Frederick Peters, and uh, suggested by uh, our listener at DMA. Uh, so thanks for this one. <laughs> Question mark? Uh, old. Yeah. No, actually, do honestly, thanks for this one. This was one of the most entertaining to watch and enter, like pl- fun to think about and hopefully podcast about movies we've seen in a while. So truly, thank you for old. This was this yeah. is great. This one definitely is an interesting film to watch, but not for <laughs> the reasons you would expect a movie to be interesting to watch. It's definitely um, a bad in very specific and interesting ways, and I think that you guys are right. It's right up our alley because of that. <laughs> yeah, it, it kept me uh, kept me surprisingly engaged, like. <laughs> Yeah. I, I often will take a take a break for a, a pee and grab another bubbly or something, you know, midway between a movie. And I watched this one straight through and it never crossed my mind to like, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't checking the time. I was, to its credit, I was engaged throughout, but the same way you're like, you know, slow down to rubberneck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the, my second time watching it and I found myself uh, surprised that I wasn't like on my phone more. Uh, like, and checking out, uh, I was still, you know, fairly interested in what was going on. I mean, to be fair to the movie, like once, once the stuff kicks off, it kind of doesn't let up. So even though you're kind of watching this bad movie unfold, there's so much happening so quickly that like, you just can't really look away (laughs) or else you're going to miss quite Mm -hmm. a bit. Yeah. The, the pace is, I I will say that for the movie, the pace is very quick. It, it goes Mm -hmm. by it goes it, it the movie ages as quickly as the people on the beach do <laughs> uh, shockingly fast yeah there's there's i ended up writing my my notes and my thoughts about this movie sort of in the context of like what did i like about it cuz the things that are wrong with it are so glaringly obvious and baffling that it really was like oh that's the easy part like that's <laughs> I don't need to. I don't need to put notes down about that. Everyone can see what what's going, what's wrong here. Um, and so I, I ended up compiling quite a list of things I, I liked about it. And yeah, one of them was how quickly it gets to it. Like immediately, the the what if shenanigans kick in right away and last for a significant chunk of the movie. Yeah, it's always throwing you a little like a, a an interesting premise of of what a rapidly aging situation would be like. Um. You know, the movie overall is a really interesting premise, but there's all these like little bite-sized ideas that occur throughout the movie that keep you engaged. You know, things like um, what would happen if you got sliced by a rusty knife. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, there's there's bits throughout that are interesting, and that's because the idea is interesting. The execution yeah, the- <laughs> is where it kind of trips up, and yeah. uh, where where the movie is where the movie is focused on exploring the idea is where the movie is most successful. Um, in 
in every other regard to the plot, the characters, etc., it it's not. But but where it's exploring its science fiction premise, it it actually does okay. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Yeah, it's definitely one of those movies that has that strong central like premise or hook. Um, it I I found myself uh, thinking a lot about uh, Palm Springs while watching this movie. Uh, did you guys have any other kind of like, you know, like there's like every science fiction movie has a what if has a speculative fiction nature to its sci-fi or horror, but there's other ones where it like really leans into it. Mm-hmm. Um, speed is weird. <laughs> We're discussing the speed franchise before we, we hopped on the call here. Um, and that's one where it's like the bus can't slow down. That's the hook. Um, so yeah, did this, did this movie evoke any of those kind of like high concept, high premise movies for y'all? Yeah, I can't, I can't say that I was thinking about any other movie other than the bad one I was watching, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, the, I, it's it's hard to compare old to other movies because it exists in this very strange place where I feel like M. Night Shyamalan was trying to make his art movie and he couldn't escape his popcorn movie instincts and those two kind of like collided in just the most awful way. (laughs) That's yeah. hmm. There's, there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of directorial choices in this movie, which you're right. Come across as very arty. Like there's, there's odd cinematography choices there's odd framing choices throughout and in in a a more um what almost more philosophical movie um that was dealing less with the um the reality of the situation and leaning more into like the emotional effect of the premise i could see it working but mm-hmm. as you say it, it he's got this movie that's grounded in the sci-fi premise which is constantly talking about its sci-fi premise and is trying mm-hmm. to solve its sci-fi premise. And so it can't, it can't get all the way back to being an art film because it keeps trying to drag itself back into being the sci-fi thriller. Right. Yeah. It, and it, it leaves its philosophy entirely behind in favor of being very matter of fact about what's happening and when it's happening. Which, for yeah. the record, I looked into Sandcastle before we recorded because I was curious what the uh, graphic novel was like. And the graphic novel, like, leaves the sci-fi premise at the door. Like, it, it's the these people show up at a beach. The beach is magically aging everyone. That's where we are. There's no explanation for why. There's no weird pharmaceutical company. There's no happy ending. It's just, let's explore the concept of a bunch of people having a lifetime in a day. And that, that is the, is the philosophical <laughs> way to do this. Like, <laughs> it, and, it, and it sure gets around having to try and like explain certain things. Like, uh, I think M. Night got bogged down and being like, well, why doesn't their hair grow? And then so he's got it like a, a line to sort of like hand wave that away, you know, which it, then which then minutes later gets undermined by something else that happens in the plot because yeah, the, yeah. because the power of the beach is completely inconsistent yeah. because it's not fully thought through. Because he's trying to explain yeah. things, but he's not explaining enough. Exactly. So like when you make us think about it, then you're you're asking us to to question it, right? And that's part of yeah. the problem. If it was if it was more philosophical and, and just like this is this is what it is, don't think about it too much. It's not about that, then you wouldn't have then you wouldn't be asking people to question the premise at all. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't buy. I, I think you're being very generous, saying he was trying to make some kind of art movie. And then when Scott explained their relationship to the comic, I'm like, oh, for sure, this guy was told the premise of the comic, and exactly like you said, got way bogged down in the details. And the vibe I got from it, from like some of the ways that there's things that are clunky or awkward, or like poorly thought out, or like thoroughly thought out but not thought out enough, I got the impression. There, not even that M. Night Shyamalan's a bad filmmaker, but there was no one around to tell him no, or no one around to, like, 
give him sober second thoughts or check ideas against. It seemed like he, one person with limited ability to like look at the bigger picture, got put in control of this and all of his blind spots show. And there was no one to pick up the slack and point out the inconsistencies. I think one guy got bogged down in the sci-fi premise and this is what it looks like when it gets away from him. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is definitely a movie that got away from M night Shyamalan. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be interested to, to, to know like what M night Shyamalan had been watching like previous to old. Cause I almost get the sense that he, he saw something and he was trying to mimic it in a way. He saw something that was inspiring to him. Like maybe he saw an art of your film and that he was trying to do his version of it. And just like, you know, much like he didn't understand the graphic novel, apparently misunderstood uh, the, uh, the movie that he was trying to ape. I have a pitch. Cause I, it's one of the things I liked about this movie, but also I wonder if he wanted to do his version of Midsummer. Oh yeah, because this is a this is a horror movie that takes place almost entirely in beautiful sunny daylight, in a non scary place, and yet is absolutely a slasher horror movie. There are a bunch of gruesome kills. Just the killer is the progression of time. Um, and so yeah, I wonder if he he wanted to do a Midsummer, and again, and like you said, didn't understand the comic, also didn't understand Midsummer. <laughs> um, was was but, but Midsummer also- sort of like. Uh- had did it also have sort of like understated cinematography um i haven't seen it so it had it had it had fancy thoughtful symmetrical a24 cinematography oh, okay. okay yeah it was <laughs> yeah uh if you haven't put together the the premise of this by now yeah the the the, the place ages you quickly that's that's the bit <laughs> um and then it's explored very strangely by the following cast of uh, actors gail garcia bernal as guy Vicky Kripes as uh, Prisca, Rufus Sewell as Charles, Alex Wolf as H15 Trent, Thomason McKenzie as H16 Maddox, um, Abby Lee, Nikki Amuka Bird, Ken Lung, bunch of cats are there. Um, it's it's a it's an ensemble cast plus their their older and younger selves. So yeah, Rufus Rufus Sewell, by the way. What a what a that guy actor. I haven't seen him in a while, but I instantly recognized him. I was like Rufus Sewell. And I was almost disappointed that he was being <laughs> wasted in this movie. Yeah. And poor Thomason McKinley. I was <laughs> Yeah, Thomas because she's she's been on the on the pod here two, two, in a row. two weeks in a row, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, I didn't. I was like, "Why does this the dad look so familiar?" Guy Gail Garcia Bernal, uh, and he's the Scott. Do you recognize him? Did you yeah, look up where he's from? He's from Werewolf by Night, which he's the titular werewolf. Yeah, but uh, he also voices uh, Ector in Coco, uh, which mm. I am very familiar with because I have children who like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice, uh, but yeah, let's go to the uh, trailer and the plot summary uh, so we can really uh, sink our teeth into this uh, this movie. No kids allowed on the beach? What? That's not true! Oh, oh, no! Oh, no! We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. Are we there yet? You said five minutes. Technically, it's been more than five minutes. Let's just all start slowing down. Wow. Can you believe I found this online? I guess it's not that secret a beast. Whoa! Who would leave this? From the hotel! They're so rusted! What's happening? Found stuff from the hotel in the sand. What happened to her mom? I don't know. What happened to her? Her body has decomposed. How quickly can that happen? Seven years. But she just died. Wait, where are the kids? Trent! Kara! Come here! Hey, have you seen my children? Mom? I'm, I'm right here. There's something wrong with this beach. What's happening? Mom! 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 I'm scared! They have to know what this place does. I don't know! You're lying! Look! What is that? A message. 
We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. We're connected to something bigger. Oh no. In a last-ditch effort to make some happy memories before their marriage implodes, Guy and Prisca drag their robotic children to a mysterious beach resort that, believe it or not, Prisca found online. Is there nothing the World Wide Web can't do? Led to a secret beach by the director, the family is accompanied by a doctor whose name is Charles, a nurse whose name is Jaren, a calcium cave troll whose name is Crystal, and a bunch of other people who also have names and professions. The beach vacationers soon discover they are aging at an alarming rate. Guy and Prisca's kids are suddenly teenagers way into beach sex, and Dr. Chuck has developed a nasty case of old man stabbies. They frantically run from (laughs) one end of the beach to the other as one person dies after another. Soon, no one is left but most of the children who escaped the beach and learned the resort was really some kind of messed up Moderna lab all along. Okay, so old to me is like if someone adapted a game of Tim Timbit's hockey for the screen. Now, <laughs> that may sound weird, but just stick with me for a second. Like, if the entire movie were shot from a bird's eye view... It would just be a group of actors running in unison from one end of the beach to the other, just like how (laughs) five-year-olds follow the puck together. Yeah. And just like in Timbit's hockey, occasionally someone will break free from the pack, but instead of scoring like the world's slowest goal, they just die. (laughs) Yeah. The the sense of geography in this is very strange because on one hand it's just a big beach it's just literally an empty space for the characters to inhabit um and so yeah the way they divide it up by just being like some people are on one side of the beach some people are on the other side of the beach everyone's got to run over to that side of the beach because <laughs> someone died everyone's got to go run over to the back to the other side of the beach because something else happened over there uh and and in pointing that out greg you've actually given me a fix for the second half so i'm just uh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I can, I can fix welcome. that. I have a fix for that. <laughs> it isn't just that the characters are like in older, like hilariously running around like that, but like, you know, it's that they're telling each other exactly who they are and what they're doing the entire time. Like, oh, mm-hmm. they do more than that. <laughs> uh, half of the dialogue in this movie, the dialogue is so stilted and unnatural. And so much of it is people explaining to people things that they should know. Like at the mm-hmm. climax, the the director of the beach resort explains to the scientists working at the beach resort what they're doing. And <laughs> it's like, okay, I get that we, the audience, don't know, but this is not the way to do this. Like from from a a writing perspective, this is very bad. Or when uh, Prisca stab, uh, cuts the guy with the rusty knife and then explains what rust does. And it's like, the the man is a doctor, Prisca. He knows what rust does. Like, Yeah, this movie is all tell. Even when it shows, it's also telling. Like, yes. it's like, it could have just showed, but it's going to also tell you. Yeah. You know, I, I thought that, like, maybe you kind of needed the characters to tell you what they're doing all the time. Because most of the time they're doing it out of frame. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that also happens quite a lot because of yeah. the, again, weird, weird cinematography choices. I think that that was like, to me, it was like the most fascinating part about it because like, I know that M. Night Shyamalan can like stage and block a scene competently. Like we've, I mean, we've done other M. Night Shyamalan movies on this podcast before and that was and this not, was not an issue. Yeah. <laughs> so like clearly like he made a choice to to do that and i just i find that so fascinating that like clearly he was trying like at one point there was there was a there was a scene where the frame was like mostly a rock face and then there was just like two noses in it and i'm like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was another scene where there's like a dramatic uh there's like a dramatic effort to to rescue someone and uh, everybody's gathered around and they're, they're talking about like what needs to be done to say, I think it's when Prisca's tumor starts to grow. And the way it's shot though, is from like out in the water and the water's lapping up on the lens and it's actually obscuring the view of them on the beach. So you can't see anything. And mm-hmm. it's like, why are, why are we shooting this like this? This was an interesting decision. Yeah. 
Uh, even I found when they uh, people zo- <laughs> zoomed in on their heads when they were trying to escape, and they'd put their heads to their temples, and the camera would go like Dutch angle and spinny, um, just very like reefer madness in the middle of an otherwise grounded, you know. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them, and even like the scene where both the parents um, die like one after another as they're just mm-hmm. succumbing to old age the camera is like sort of fixed and just panning so like the prisca gets up and like her husband dies so she gets up and walks to the beach and then the camera kind of like pans past her and then we go back and she's died and then it it keeps panning and then it goes to the rocks for something but there's nothing going on there and then it comes back again and it was like it was such a strange decision um and it like it, it might have been an interesting shot had there been like i don't know something interesting going on on this other side but that's not what was happening yeah i'm glad we're kind of keeping to some of the technical problems of it because this movie is also famously riddled riddled with logical plot holes and and leaps in logic uh so I'm glad so far we're on we're on task of just like also these are the things that are weird structurally um because yeah we we talked about it earlier the dialogue is is f- incredibly stiff I I I truly don't remember the last time I watched a movie with this like bad acting like it's it's not and I don't know if it's like the actors are bad actors no, most of them are actually quite good actors. Yeah, but they were acting badly in this, and it it it's, it reeked of like they didn't have direction. Like, yeah, stiff and a script, bad script, bad script, and then no direction with it. Especially uh, Jaren. Some of Jaren's lines, I was like, "Is this the room?" Like you're, you're <laughs> That's just what I was thinking. I was gonna say, Where like, I, I haven't, like, <laughs> I haven't, I've seen better performances in a Tommy Wiseau flick. Like, yeah, it's yeah, it's bizarre. I, I wish I remember exactly the line, but he's like. The kids, they've gone. <laughs> they've gone down to the end of the beach. Like, like no one, and again, no one in the editing bay, no one in the director's hut in, in Video Village was like, yeah, maybe we do a second take on that one. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we. I want to get back to craft services. We've yeah. been shooting for three <laughs> hours. Let's just, let's wrap it up. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that the the script uh, isn't doing them favors with the dialogue and the director's not doing them favors with the direction. They're also not being done any favors by the fact that all their characters are one dimensional. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I have to believe that that's just because they're all disposable. Like none of the characters have any real depth uh, to speak of. All of the, the character arcs are really stunted and meaningless. It's, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> So it Scott you you very prudently observed in the chat that that they use this very lazy technique to introduce all the characters by just having Trent the little boy run around go hi I'm Trent and this is so and so I'm a little kid what's your name and profession and then the people go well my name is Greg and I'm a cop or my name is Terry and I'm a sous chef or whatever and he says to all the main characters and some extra ones and it sticks out as extremely lazy way to introduce the characters uh, and that is true, but also is like a spotlight, like highlights in no uncertain terms that that is also the only thing about these characters we yep. will ever learn. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, we each, learn each of those things, things are a problem actually. on their own, but they, 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 make, they make each other worse. We actually learn two things about all the characters, which is uh, yeah. what, what is their job and what is their what is medically wrong with them. <laughs> Yeah, and that's all the all the character development we get. That it's is pretty much their all the illness and their job. Yep. I, I at one point one of the characters tells them their profession in an attempt to make sure that they understand that they're sane. Like that was that was a weird line. I think it was Prisco who says that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't remember what her occupation was. It's like she works in a museum. I'm a museum like, director. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, I'm telling you this because I don't want you to think that I'm like given to hysterics. And like, what does working in a museum have anything to do with that? Like, well, it goes even further than that. At one point early in the film, Guy and Prisca have a fight, and. Guy talks about how she, like, all she does all day is look at the past because she works in a museum. And she's like, yeah, and all you are is worried about the future because you're an insurance guy. And 
because uh, he's an insurance adjuster and and deals with risk assessment, yeah. right? So even like their personalities are baked into their jobs, right? Yeah, like that's that's the extent of what they are, and they're the two main characters, at least for yeah. the most of the movie. So, and at no time does that like uh, set up between like how they view the world really have any bearing on the plot. I don't think Not really. Yeah. Other than other than it's utilitarian at certain points for them to have specific skills or knowledge brought on by those roles. Yeah. 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 It's very. Yeah. They're, they're, it's very they lazy. They character contribute a lot. Lazy yeah, character development. They don't necessarily add much. So. Hey. Hey. No, yeah, and like yeah, that, yeah, the, the couple bugged me because there's a lot going on and they couldn't seem to choose. Or M. Night couldn't seem to choose what was, like, the main conflict between them. Like, like they were about to be separated or whatever. And, like, he... Was he kind of, like, checked out in the relationship? Is Like, am I picking him up, up on that correctly? But my, my understanding was they were going to get divorced. Then they found out she was sick. Right. So they're kind of like staying together for the kids because they're not going to be together for long. Yeah. And then also on top of that, for some reason, she had like a secret affair or whatever. And just like, I don't know. I'd like at that point, I got a little frustrated just because like, like affairs in movies, like writers, please stop doing that. It's boring. Like that, like I, <laughs> every, every single time you need a conflict between, uh, like a couple, like it always seems to be around cheating and just like, please stop. Like we've seen that so many times. And like, this was really frustrating just because like, it seemed to me that like, there was already like some sort of inherent conflict between them. Like they just didn't really see eye to eye on things or whatever. They didn't really need to have an affair associated yeah. with it. Or at least, uh, to just to your point of, hey, stop doing that, affairs that happened before the movie started mm. that are coming to fruition. Because I've seen, like, uh, Don't Look Up just came to mind as one where you see the guy in the affair. Yeah. And that's, like, part of it. And that's fine. But it's this, like, oh, we need conflict? Oh, I had an affair before the movie happened. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like, it, it can, I think it's just, like, because it's so common, it's it's very easy to come off as lazy is the problem so like you know if it if it's yeah if you're gonna use if you're gonna use uh cheating it better have um something to do uh, a little bit deeper with the characters and yeah and their attitudes and worldviews so before we we get into the many good and also absurd and also somewhere in between ideas that this movie explores uh i just i, I mentioned palm springs off the top and the thing that I was really thinking a lot about uh, in regards to this movie was, like, that balance that any kind of sci-fi or horror movie has to walk, but specifically ones with a big hypothetical premise at its heart, is the balance of exploring the what-ifs of that premise and having the characters doing that exploring going through a meaningful narrative character arc. Yes. Um, this movie is all in on exploring that what if. Uh, and I, so I can just imagine like a list that, you know, M Knight and maybe some of his writers had of this list of like, well, if you're going to wrap age rapidly, this is true. This is true. This is true. Um, again, Palm Springs, I think does this really well. You know, what would it mean? And you know, and that's fine to have his big, a big list. But the thing this made me realize is some of those rocks are best left unturned. And that's also one of the things that these kind of hypothetical movies need to be aware of. It's like, which ones do you explore and which ones do you not touch? Like, how many time travel movies have that kind of like, don't think too hard about it moment? Because if you think too hard about it, the whole thing unravels. Think about this fun aspect of it. Yeah. You know, think about how this helps our character grow. Don't think too hard about the nuts and bolts or it's not going to make any sense. Uh, this movie turns over a bunch of rocks it shouldn't and... It, it's part of why it's so interestingly bad is like it leaves some unturned. Yeah. So the one I'm talking about, of course, is the pregnant six year old girl. Like maybe that was just like, don't don't bring that up. Like there's so many other interesting body aging rapidly ideas to explore that that one was maybe best left unturned. Here's know, the thing <clears throat> that does, as I understand it, happen in the original graphic novel. 
Um, because that was part of the philosophical aspect of living a whole life in a day that the authors wanted to explore and fine. The problem with M night adapting it here is that because he was getting into the, why everything was happening, uh, and he was getting into the, uh, the science of it more, as you say, he's turning over that rock and it starts to unravel. And because they had, they had explained so much about what might be happening to them, it doesn't function properly <laughs> as a narrative device anymore <laughs> so it probably should have been on the cutting room floor honestly they they probably yeah. should have just tossed that one out yeah i actually have a fix for it later but yeah it it, it just it asks so many other questions um that then go from it so the, the one of the ones that i had thought of so when she, when they try to cut out her tumor they, they got this thing about how the wounds heal over sure yeah. right you can't leave an incision open at no point does anyone like other than out of their nose Nobody bleeds. There's no blood in this movie. Like they cut her open. There's no blood. Yeah, every it's time very, it's a stab, there's like <laughs> it's, it, weird. it's it's a very sanitary movie. Uh, also, and she doesn't get an infection from that. Yeah, at the all. infection thing doesn't. That's not fully thought through. But the other one is like where I'm like, well, there's no blood. If you're going to introduce the concept of a someone getting pregnant then it also begs the question of like well what about menstruation shouldn't all the characters with ovaries be menstruating every like six minutes <laughs> um like just free bleeding down their leg and again that that's that i'm not saying the movie should have included that that would have been distracting and weird it's one of those stones you don't turn over but you because can't turn over the pregnancy stone without also then turning over the, the all the other non-pregnancy time stones. Like, yeah. it don't... Ugh. <laughs> yeah, Liam's, Liam's not saying it should be there. He's saying that you shouldn't have even gone there. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't... Don't, you know, and it's... I mean, the same thing goes with the whole... As soon as they say, oh, dead cells don't react the same way, that's why our hair isn't changing, and then also have dead corpses decompose really rapidly. It's like... Well, just don't bring it up. If you yeah. don't have a good answer for it, just don't bring. You got a million no one, other things you could explore. No one a in the moment other. would have would have thought about fingernails and hair, except that you no. brought it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it makes me think about all the other parts that don't make it. Like, yeah. So it, it just got me thinking about the the aspects you explore, how you balance that with narrative, and balance it with the aspects you don't explore in a what if movie with a big premise. That was my, the, the, the fun thing I had thinking about uh, in, in relation to this movie. Yeah. And, and, and that's why a good you were example of where, yeah. where like a premise could have led to uh, good character development or, or at least exploring a character more, but they leave it on the table because they have the character of crystal. Who's um, concerned about her health because she's got a, a calcium deficiency, but they also set her up as someone who's, uh, you know, concerned about her youthfulness and concerned about her looks and things like that, right? Um, so when we get to the beach and she starts getting older, um, other than like maybe one line where she says, don't look at me, we don't explore her ha come having to deal with or even come to terms with the fact that she's aged and she doesn't look the same as she did before, that she's lost her youth, right? Um, mm -hmm. and instead they just kind of like turn her into like a cave monster and, and then they're like, all right, that's done. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, that, that scene was interesting in a really gross way, um, and kind of horrifying, but at the same time, oh, I it thought like it was, I thought it was laugh out loud funny. Yeah, like really? Clown show to me. <laughs> but there was nothing horrific to me in this horror movie. It was at best a sci-fi thriller and in some cases like legitimately like I can't believe I just saw that happen. It's actually kind of hilarious. Uh, with um, the exception of the couple points where I actually cringed like out loud. Like you yeah. could hear me cringe from space when that 6-year-old girl got pregnant. Like, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, any, I mean, a lot of the plot holes in this have been covered, but there are, are there any you really want to highlight ones that really stuck into your craw? Um, cause, cause obviously people have pointed out the obvious flaws with this movie quite a bit, but the, I, I sort of said mine and its relation to the bigger picture, but yeah, any, any particular plot holes that really wrestled your jimmies? No, I, I yeah, I don't think so. Um, just partly because like it's, as I'm watching it, I'm just, I, I'm mostly just thinking about like, um, 
how how little character development there was. So like the, the like the plot holes are sort of like incidental to me because I was just like fascinated by like how little the movie was trying to like spend time working on its themes. Anita mm-hmm. asked me. Uh, I usually watch the film with Anita, and, and this time she had literally no interest in watching it. So I watched it by myself. But partway through, uh, she came over to talk to me and she asked, so what's the movie about anyway? And I said, well, it's a movie about a group of people trapped on a beach that rapidly ages them. And she said, hmm, that's the premise. What's the plot? And I went, yes. Um, (laughs) Because I didn't have an answer for her at that point. And I was over halfway through the movie. That is how little plot is going on here. That's how little actual story is taking place other than just like bits about people rapidly aging on a beach that are loosely strung together. Yeah. And it's yeah. interesting. You, you really, you, you illuminated it for me, Greg, a moment ago when you said how a lot of these characters are faced with problems and are dealing with the fact that they're rapidly aging. And many of them are dealing with medical issues and none of them have to deal with any of that. Uh, most of them die from violence yeah. and the ones who don't, die so abruptly that they don't really have a chance to come to any sort of meaningful end. They don't get a chance to come to grips with their sudden mortality. They don't get a chance to uh, wrestle with the fact uh, with their illnesses before the end. And so all of them are, I said it before, they're all very disposable characters. They're meaningless, disposable characters. And that's why they can just easily be summed up as Jaren is a nurse and Charles is a doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you might have already kind of done it, but I, I I wrote that down as a fix of like have have the illnesses be a significant thing that they they reckon with. You know, if if this the whole reveal is like um, treatment over time, uh, getting to test uh, new medicines rapidly, which is the whole reveal of the company. Then the flip side of that is like, well, what does it look like to go through? To, to recover from cancer or something in a day and in, in a half a day uh, or something that would have killed you slowly over 10 years is now going to kill you slowly over four hours. What does that deathbed revelation look like? You know, yeah. there's none of that. Or, you know, the one woman who was kind of cured by the medicine that they gave her before they sent her to the island. Like she doesn't have, she has, um, is it epilepsy that she has? She has seizures yeah. and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't have one um, throughout most of the day. And at no point does anyone kind of like point out or or does her husband or herself sort of like wrestle with the idea of like why, like if I'm if I'm rapidly aging, why am I not having seizures <laughs> or whatever? Uh, and and that isn't really dealt with at all until she just has she seizures so bad that she dies. That illuminates something brilliant, Greg. Go ahead, Scott. I can see you wincing. Go finish. The no, 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 no. You because my my thought takes us to a different place. You you go. Okay. The thing that's illuminating about that, Greg, is this movie is all in on exploring the premise of what if what if age rapidly. That's mm-hmm. all it's concerned with for 70% of the movie that it even forgets to explore the central mystery, which is kind of <laughs> what M. Night Shyamalan is known yeah. for. Like it doesn't do character development. It, does, it doesn't even tease the mystery at the heart of this very well because it's so hung up on what would happen if you age quickly. And there's a great example of that. All they'd have to do is be like, why hasn't she had a seizure? She usually has like three or four a year. There are definitely great. clues. There are definitely clues early on during like the 15 or so minutes we spent at the resort uh, mm-hmm. where they're, where he's None planting the, the, the clues. But when they get to the beach, yeah, there's very little of anything. Um, yeah. So it's it's very front loaded. And that 14 minutes is packed with stuff, including a lot of character introductions. So it would be easy to miss all of that. Um, which is just another structural flaw with the movie. There's, there's mm-hmm. so much, there's so much, uh, that's important. That's dropped on you all at once that you forget most of it. And then you're just off to the beach. Um, <laughs> my, my thing was, I am going to point out one weird, weird flaw in the evil pharmaceutical company's evil plan, because mm. I can, I can wrap my head around the logic that they're using to justify what they're doing. I don't agree with it, but I can understand it. We are sacrificing a few for the benefit of the many. 
But even not including the fact that the science they're doing is deeply, deeply flawed, which which I'm not going to get into. <laughs> um, there is there is the fact that they are abducting people and putting them on this beach who have no reason being there. Like, Guy doesn't have any ailments. Why are you taking families with children? Why are you taking people who will be missed in their real life? When there are sick people who are single or who are loners or who don't have children. Uh, because putting those children on the island is just like, well, I guess we're also going to do some murders. Like, <laughs> like in addition to the unethical testing we're doing, we're also just going to do some murders. That's just something that's going to happen. Like there was, you could have yeah. put put together a singles resort for sick people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then the, the and expression then, is, <laughs> and then just said like, oh, you know, because it's a single resort for sick people, a bunch of people die at our resort. It just happens. It's just a collateral <laughs> part. And then their disappearances don't matter. You're guaranteeing you're only getting sick people on that beach. Like, I came up with a better evil plan than this pharmaceutical <laughs> company in ten minutes, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the expression is. Uh, you know, you gotta uh, can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Not you can't make a three egg omelet without breaking four eggs specifically. Yeah, like, the and, the and part of this yeah. part of this though comes into the fact that again the pharmaceutical company isn't in the graphic novel. That's something that M Night yeah. added to yeah. have a twist because he needed to have his twist and he needed to have his science fiction thing going on. Right? Yeah, yeah. I I know you didn't want to get involved in the in the science of it, but it, it did make me laugh that this pharmaceutical company thought a sample size of one was evidence that her seizures <laughs> were cured. <laughs> like there's, yeah, and we, and we, there's so many other factors that could have been, it could have been, it could have been the process of time that like healed her. Who knows? You know, yeah, like, and, and there's no way to verify it because no. her body will decompose and yeah, no one and you'll can never get to see what, the, yeah. Yep. <laughs> wow. Um, all this being said, I, I certainly have some fixes, and I know you guys do as well. So uh, why don't we hear from our friends at the Alberta Podcast Network and come back with some bona fide fixes to this movie that has a great premise at its heart and just a mess everywhere else. Calling all new and emerging content creators in BC and Alberta. In case you haven't heard of StoryHive, they've been supporting storytellers in Western Canada since 2013. This year, they're celebrating their 10th anniversary with their biggest edition yet. The Story Hive Anniversary Documentary Edition is funding 80 short documentaries on any local story you are passionate about. You could get $20,000 in production funding, training in mentorship, and distribution on Telus Optic TV and Stream Plus. If you live in BC or Alberta and you have an idea for a short documentary, now is the time to send in your pitch. Send in your application by February 28th at storyhive.com slash apply. Your story, your narrative. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. Uh, if you were trapped on the beach in this movie, you would be one year older because we are about halfway through the episode. <laughs> uh, oh, we are, of course, talking about old Um I got some fixes, but Scott, you had one you wanted to kick this off with. Yeah, uh, my fix is you take this premise and this uh, and this adaptation you want to do, and you take it away from M. Night Shyamalan, and you tell him to mm. just stand back and executive produce, and you hand it to Jordan Peele. Mm. And you let Jordan Peele make this movie, <laughs> uh, because I feel like he would execute on it much, much better, and probably much scarier. Uh, so that is my, that is my kind of tongue in cheek fix for this movie is give it to someone, <laughs> someone who's maybe better at this. Yeah. Give yeah. it someone who like, makes be, better. Yeah. No, I, I legitimately would be very interested to see how Jordan Peele would handle this source material. That's fair. Um, and I, I have to believe it would be better. <laughs> I, I do want to highlight the one thing I really liked about this movie is that it, it takes place on a be it didn't have to take place on a beach. I guess the graphic novel sets it there, so that's why it's on a beach. But like this could have been in any kind of structure, like a house or a mansion. Um, and whether he succeeded or not, I do like that he was trying to kind of do the midsummer thing of being a horror movie in daylight. Cause this is one of the few horror premises that works with the lights on. Mm. So <clears throat> just want to make sure that I kind of didn't 
specify that uh, when we were talking about the good things off the top and do want that known. I appreciated that it was on a beach. I think it was an interesting place to do this uh, premise. So, Speaking of the beach, this was the idea I had uh, from when Greg was pointing out that they just run back and forth like little kids playing soccer. <laughs> because there isn't, it's just an open space. All you have to do is naturally elevate the beach. Just have like a third of it that's five feet higher than the other part. And you just give the set of the movie a natural le- like levels, right? Yeah. Um, it's like something in theater we always talk about. It's like, well, find your levels. How do you make an interesting stage picture? And maybe there wouldn't just be this generic left and right if there was maybe a spot where they sat off to one side that was up and then the beach like dropped down a bit and then there was a different area. Um, it would even just be more interesting looking over characters' shoulders and seeing the background. It would give everyone a sense of place, a sense of left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just yeah, just just literally just have it be a, a a two two halves of a beach at different levels. That was the idea I had in the first half. <laughs> uh, my one idea at the moment is to change who's who among the family is sick. Like I was, I was thinking, like if if one of the kids was sick, that helps to move ev- a lot of other things in place for the family. So, like often when a child is like terminally sick or something like that, like you know, it cr- it causes a lot of conflict between the parents and things like that, sort of naturally, um, and it also gives um, them a, a much more interesting reason to be there. Uh, because you know they're they're going to this resort. Uh, child's terminally ill. They're they're trying to give the the kid one really good vacation. You know, trying to, to you know uh, help them forget about what's going on or whatever. So that you know makes their entry into the story a bit more compelling to me, and it gives um like I said, it gives the parents some natural conflict, and then it would also give the other child. Um, some maybe natural conflict of like, um, you know, maybe feeling frustrated that they're being forgotten or, or something like that. Um, that way, you know, the two children can have some kind of journey together when they, when they get to the beach and they end up starting to grow old together. And, and like the child is the one who, for whom the, the, the cure works, right? Mm -hmm. So they actually get better. Um, uh, and, and that's why they, you know, the, 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 t- the brother and sister end up being like the, the lone survivors. So I don't know if that, that gives also, us like a little bit of a lifting ground, but, uh, that's my thought. That also raises, sorry, that also raises the stakes in an interesting way, because then like for Guy and Prisca in particular, the passage of time becomes much more urgent to them. Yeah. They need to get off the beach becomes much more urgent for them because their child is not just aging rapidly, but could die of their terminal disease at any moment. And the, and then that also raises the question earlier on, like, why hasn't, why hasn't he died yet? Yeah. Why yes, is, why is he say. still alive? The, and that, and that is in mystery. And that brings back the medicine mystery. Like that, that alone solves so many problems with this story. <laughs> <laughs> wow love it. well done greg yeah. thank you <laughs> yeah it's interesting just like yeah just sometimes just like flipping a little switch can like yeah you know, put the dominoes in place and things like that because then like then that you know there's a good reason for the doctor to be there and there's a good reason for uh the conflict that the doctor has like he's competent but he's slowly giving into it did he have dementia is that what they were implying that's certainly schizophrenia schizophrenia uh, i read i don't remember that I, re- I read dementia did they say schizophrenia I, oh I you know what they I did don't... i do remember that i do remember that it was yeah yeah because they they're the doctor in the lab at the end is complaining he's like we got to separate the physical illnesses from the mental illness because our schizophrenia guy stabbed our nosebleed guy. right right yeah. yeah yeah but that gives like that that gives some extra urgency to like the, the doctor is sort of like a safety net for the parents and then he's kind of like slowly going away right and that that makes that sort of that go that become even more urgent for them so I think that's a little that, that works it works for him um, I'm not too sure what to do with some of these some of the the other characters um, that are involved however 
give them more depth, give them more pathos as they grapple with their mortality and with their illnesses, which are becoming more and more pronounced and more and more lethal as the hours progress. Mm-hmm. And don't just turn most of them into like monsters that need to be fought off at the end, which I don't think is fair to the characters uh, either. Like have, have the, the, the social media influencer like have to grapple with the fact that she's rapidly getting old and no longer beautiful. Have the doctor not just turn into a violent like monster. Like actually well, there could be actually, one. in a horror movie there's always the one threat from within. Like there's always one person who like becomes a problem for the party because they can't handle it anymore. But it happens more than a few times. Yeah. It, it's uh, and you get one. Yeah. And that's fine, but I think even even if he does become a monster, maybe don't dispatch him like one. Like don't mm-hmm. don't treat the guy whose mind is being lost because of the ravages of old age as a monster. Maybe maybe be more sympathetic to him. Like I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like there's a way for the movie to explore more with these characters than just have them be simple disposable horror movie props. Well, I think you found it. I know you're saying you didn't have too too many fixes for this, but it was the thing you we sort of came to in the last segment. Um, spending time with the characters, coming to grips with their illness, having some kind of character arc and a reflection on life and death. Um, it, 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 it seems obvious to say, like, we'll just spend more time doing character stuff. But the, the way I see it in my mind, if they spent a little more time on meaningful character arcs and and the, you know, fragility of life and the terror of illness if they spent a little more time on the mystery at the heart of it which is m night Shyamalan's known for and they spent less time going through the full what if list of if if rapid age then what they like they 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 filled they filled up on that stuff and they didn't balance it with the other things that are important just massage it a little cut some of the cut some of the you know what does it mean if time is aging sci-fi stuff to make a little more room for the mystery and for the character arc and things would even out. It wouldn't feel so lopsided. Well, and you know, even pointing back to Greg's earlier tonal issue with the movie where it can't decide if it wants to be this artsy fartsy philosophical film or this like sci-fi thriller. If you spent more time with the characters grappling with the implications of what's happening to them mm-hmm. and and uh, coming to terms with it, there you go, M. Night. You've got your artsy fartsy philosophical movie, <laughs> and you can you can have them talk about the implications of this scenario while they're also trying to figure out what's going on. Because we said and how top, to get out of they, it. Yeah, they spend a lot of time talking about what's going on what this all means. Um, and if they were talking more about themselves, you could still get there. Like you can still get that, you know, sci-fi, what happens next, what's going to happen stuff couched in thoughtful character development. Yeah. Um, I also have a fix for the pregnant kid scene. Um, <laughs> straight up. It. Just, I mean, don't have it, but also, I was talking about like turning over stones, right? There is something to be said about the idea that these three child characters are going to have to experience puberty over the course of about two or three hours, which is scary. It's also pretty funny. This movie has no jokes. There is not a moment of levity in this whole movie. Yeah. Right. It's pretty, it's pretty grim. (laughs) It's pretty grim. Pretty takes itself pretty seriously. There is not a moment of levity. Um, uh, my pitch, the idea of having to explain or even deal with puberty and your brain, like your brain is six, but your body is 15 is kind of funny. And that happens in about the middle of the movie. That is the perfect place for a somewhat funny scene. And I, I don't think that the pregnant kid was meant to be played for laughs, even though it is laughably bad. So, so my pitch is explore either what is it like the awkwardness that these parents now have to explain their changing bodies to a six-year-old instead of a 15-year-old, which is already right. Like that's what the entire premise of Big Mouth is like, ha ha ha, wasn't puberty weird and awkward. (laughs) Have some fun with it. Have some fun with 
watching a six-year-old deal with puberty, whether that's just the conversation between the parents or instead of having them fuck and then get pregnant, maybe just have three kids who cannot keep their hands off their genitals. <laughs> and you, they, like, cannot explain it. Like, they, every time they turn their back, the kids are off jerking off somewhere. <laughs> maybe that's a lateral move, but I just it'd be kind of funny to have to be like, you know, you guys have kids. You know how hard it is to tell them to stop doing something. If they were, like, literally had... The understanding and self-control of a six-year-old, but the horniness of a 15-year-old, it'd be madness. And that would, it would be kind of funny. And that's exactly the point in the movie where a brief moment of levity would have been welcome. So that's my pit instead of the, and you still get to explore the concept of, um, experiencing puberty at a rapid rate. So that doesn't end in, uh, uh, what it ended in. Yes, no. I think that's fine. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think, I think you're right that like it, it, you need to introduce, um, some humor into the, the situ into, you know, you've got a pretty large cast of characters here and there's mm-hmm. definitely opportunity for someone to offer some comic relief at some point, you know? Um, so I think you're, I think you're right. You guys didn't find the, the cave troll lady snapping all of her bones in a fit deeply hilarious because I, I it was kind of it, it was funny the way like a, a horror movie like a gruesome kill like a real you know nightmare on elm street kill is funny the way her body got all crinkled up um but yeah just a funny character like why wasn't mid-sized sedan a, a ham you know why he like he's a, he for a guy whose name is as absurd as mid-sized sedan like that, the name is funny. That's not a funny. Yeah. He's like, I'm a dead serious rapper, and I'm as serious as everybody else. Yeah. Like, could you just imagine if he was like Flava Flav? <laughs> it just would have added like a di- an interesting dynamic. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly he's gonna be like, whoa, whoa, no! Like, I didn't do it. I didn't like getting himself into trouble because he's running his mouth. You know. Yeah. 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 At least, <laughs> at least it would have had you would have had a character with a different dimension. Uh, like just about everybody yeah. else has, they almost all have the same disposition. Precisely. Cool. I think that that's, that's our fixes for it. Um, and I think we like Greg nailed it in one um, right there. Like Scott yeah. said, it would have, it would have shored up a lot if we had just uh, done what Greg suggested. A um, little bit of what I said, hell, maybe just M Knight's not the guy to do it. Uh, but we had our thoughts and you had yours as well. Thank you very much listeners for contributing um whenever we solicit these please if you got thoughts on the movie we're doing we love to hear your perspectives robin from cinematological says uh there are a million interesting themes that are introduced and abandoned in the first half hour of this movie how we trust the service industry to have our best interests even in remote areas racism and an inherent bias how children age dramatically in a short time i would agree robin lots of interesting ideas um but he continues I mean, it's so stupid. They operate with a pocket knife, and while the wound heals instantly, apparently bacteria would not affect time acceleration because she should have immediately gotten infected. Uh, Everyone is aging, but their metabolism doesn't change, and they don't gain weight from the lack of activity during time acceleration, even though the children exhibit both. Like I said, it's dumb as shit. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird that that they, they talk about the children needing more food because they're always hungry at the beginning, right? And then, yeah. and then the one girl gets pregnant, and she's not, you know, plowing down food like crazy, trying to like she would need buckets of food to sustain a pregnancy, right? And yet, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, it's it's another one of those things where they put the thought in our head, um, and then it made us think about how <laughs> the premise kind of falls apart. Yeah, the 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 phrase I kept coming back to when I was thinking about this was like. So much of this movie is not very well thought out that even the stuff that is very well thought out is not well thought out. No. <laughs> like well, it. and again, in the in the the childbirth thing and the children aging does happen in the graphic novel, but it's all hand waved because it's just magic. It's just yeah. magic that's happening. Yeah. There's no explanation for it, so there's no you. You just kind of let it wash over you because the why it's happening is not the point yeah but m night is so focused on the why that it's happening <laughs> that it it completely unravels all of the magic right yeah, yeah. but also not enough because the mystery is just kind of gets shored up at the end it doesn't it's not teased and explored throughout so yeah, yeah wild a uh, little more from robin's robin however continues 
Finally, the idea that Big Pharma would mercilessly experiment on humans because of a magic beach is so convoluted and expensive. Like, of course they would, but they would figure out the cause and set it up with paid human trials because that's cheaper. Uh, And then a final addendum from Robin. uh, Part of aging is learning your capabilities and practicing to get through repetition. A six-year-old's life experience in an adult brain is a six-year-old brain that thinks slower. I think I see what he means there. Robin actually also mentioned that he would not have watched this movie had it not been for us doing the podcast. <laughs> and I apologize for making you watch it because this one was this one was uh, was one that you could miss. This yeah, this is one I don't I don't feel anyone owes anyone an apology for this. I am overall glad we watched this because it was such I've never seen a movie quite like it. Yeah, it is bad in ways not a lot of other movies are bad. And it does try things a lot of other movies don't try. Um, and so for that alone, I'm actually quite glad I watched this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Give don't me, know like me <laughs> give me something, give me someone that's trying something over like a mediocre movie any, any day of the week. Like I'll always be absolutely more interested for sure. Uh, Herman from Modern Manhood podcast says, get better dialogue maybe ask the actors to say them in a natural way instead of someone screaming i am a nurse Uh, it's honestly an interesting premise of a movie and there are some things that are genuinely creepy and exciting the broken arm scene was wild but also the twist was so so bad and just people don't talk like that yeah they don't You know, George Lucas famously can't write dialogue, and apparently M. Night also needs to find himself someone who can punch up his dialogue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This script needed, I mean, probably like another three or four passes. It's, yeah, it's in rough shape. Yeah, it's yeah. under, it's underbaked for sure. <laughs> the underbaked is exactly, dude, it I is, love that. It is, I love that phrase. It is so underbaked it's raw like yeah yeah <laughs> under so i was trying to like what's the what's the analogy for something that has been taken to the finish line but was still not done and <laughs> underbaked is it i love that and that's sort of what i was trying to get at when i was like it feels like he, he was just doing it by himself and there was no one to like help him or check him yeah. and yeah this is the result so amazing i love that Tack says, I can't help but feel like every bad choice that was made, I would have made without seeing the final product. Dude, that's that's what I'm thinking happened with, with M. Night. That's what I was saying just a second ago. Sick. <laughs> <clears throat> it should be a somber, serious affair, but that sounds boring. Can we make it pace like a gripping thriller? It should have an ambiguous ending because it's an allegory for life, and explaining will just distract from the message. But what if we explain everything with a crazy twist and that... And it's this sci-fi experiment and dot, 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 and then sort of trails yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, actually, uh, because again, I, I, I did look into a little bit about this movie before we recorded, cause I was curious about so much. And one of the things I found out is that when this movie was going to test screening, it didn't have an ending yet. Because M. Night hadn't figured out how this movie should end. Uh, and that it wasn't until like the, like the final edit was them adding an ending to this movie before it went to theaters. Like, wowzers. <laughs> right. Well, that certainly explains why um, the illnesses weren't fully explored. Because mm-hmm. he, he didn't he didn't necessarily know that, like, that's the thing he needed the most, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, or any of the foreshadowing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, gotta, I, I really like what Tax said here about I would have made without, like, every choice that was made, I would have made as well. In watching that, and I think maybe it's why I kept was so engaged with it, I got I got to say I feel kind of the same way um, because it was, whenever I watch these kind of movies with, like, a big hypothetical, you know, if this, then that premise – I do kind of want to gorge myself on exploring all those nooks and crannies. Sure. And that movie did this and it's like, it's why you don't eat dessert first kind of a deal. <laughs> um, like, and so, so I, I, I relate to, to tack and saying like, I, I, I think I would have made some of the similar mistakes um, because it's, it's so enticing to want to get hung up on the what if of it all. Yeah. Uh, the something something cast uh, says recast M Knight's role. There you go, Scott. <laughs> uh, 
Um, oh, he means the the fact that M Night plays the bus driver. Yeah, yeah. whereas I meant M Night being the director. <laughs> M Night should be and the writer. M Night should be doing something else. M Night should. Um, okay, recast M Night's role. Nothing worse than having to endure him and this embarrassingly bad film. There's so much exposition; it's almost literally like watching a book being read. I've seen more expensive acting in oil paintings. Expressive. Oh, I've seen more expressive acting in oil paintings. Uh. Yeah, there was a point early on when uh, Trent, when he's a little boy, gets bumped into by a corpse uh, in the water at the beach. And his reaction is like, ah, mom. <laughs> like, And it's just like that that little boy was given no direction whatsoever. Uh, yeah. No coaching and no direction. He, he was acting without a safety net and they let him land flat on his face. And I felt <laughs> so bad for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could like Thomas and Mackenzie is trying. There's, she's trying yeah. real hard, but like there's just not much there for her to work with, right? So, yeah. God bless her. Uh, and God bless you, our listeners. Because <laughs> <laughs> that concludes our episode. Uh, of course, you can follow us on social media uh, Facebook.com slash I have some notes. I had at I have some notes on Twitter at I have some notes pod on Instagram and wherever it is you're listening to this please give us a like or a rate or a review uh, whatever little button they want you to click please click them all click all the buttons hey speaking of young people and old people uh, there's a podcast right now called Bridging the Gap where Steph and Karen talk to people from 7 to 97 and find out how we're all the same and also how we're different you can check that out and more right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com that's that's a really sp- I'm glad you brought that one up. That's a very good apropos premise for a podcast for for this particular um episode. <laughs> you know what a, what it might have been a better expl- explanation for people uh aging rapidly? Mutagen. And we'll be <gasps> taking on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2: The Secret of the Ooze next. So tune in in 2 weeks. Until then, I'm your host Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. In a world where boring dinners and ungrateful children make cooking almost unbearable. Whoa, that's a little too dramatic. Let's try this again. I'm Heather Dyer. I'm Erin Wager. And I'm Sarah Somersunderum. This is Three Kitchens, a podcast about home cooking. Whether you like cooking or you just like eating, join us to talk about food. We'll have new episodes of Three Kitchens every Tuesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Three Kitchens. They'll tickle your funny bone, wet your appetite, and warm your heart. Did that guy think he was Bruce Wayne? <laughs> I kind of liked it, actually. He made us sound super badass. <laughs> <laughs>